You're listening to a podcast from Victory. God instituted marriage as a holy covenant between a man and a woman. Learn more about this truth in week two of The Heart Truth. Today we are celebrating Love Day. Speaking of love, last week we talked about love. Love must be the motivation of everything that we do. And we looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the chapter on love. Love is more than feelings. It's really an action word. It's a decision that we make. You know, love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not boastful. It does not envy. It keeps no record of wrongs. The verses that describes love are action words. And it's more than just, you know, love is, you know, something that you feel uh, when your love gives you flowers on Valentine's Day. It's more than that, okay? But every single day, I believe that we can celebrate love. Would you agree with me on that? That you don't have to just have Valentine's Day to share love, but every single day we can actually give love and receive love. That's last week. Today we're going to be looking at another you know, thing about love, which is marriage. And you know, we're, we're looking at the hard truth about marriage. Now, let me ask you this. Why do people get married? Many people may have different reasons why they get married okay maybe one reason is it's the next logical step okay uh people who are engaged or been together uh you know for maybe several years maybe five years together or 10 years maybe they want to take this to the next level so they get married maybe that's the reason why they want to get married they want to settle down maybe another reason is it's cultural there are some uh, cultures that believe in fixed marriages. You know, when I went to uh, uh, Israel, our Bible teacher, who is a, uh, an Israeli, a, he- a Hebrew, said that you know, their culture believes in fixed marriages, especially in the early centuries. But I asked him, uh, what about nowadays? Do you still believe in fixed marriages where parents would actually go and talk to one another and you know make an arrangement for their children so that even when they're young, eventually they will get married. He said that it's not as popular as it was before, but it still happens. And uh, I think some uh, Asian cultures still practice that. They, they fix or they talk on behalf of their children. Maybe another reason why people get married is because of financial reason. They want to be secure. Okay? They choose a person with three M's. Magandang lalaki, mabait, mayaman. Something like that. Okay? And so uh, that might be uh, not so good of a reason. But yeah, it might be a reason. Maybe another is peer pressure. Or pressure because you need to get married. Maybe there's a fear of staying single. Maybe you're getting along in years, mature a bit. Uh, and some people are saying, or oh, you're almost out of the calendar. And so why don't you go ahead and move on and get married? And so uh, that might not be a good reason also for getting married. Maybe one, uh, another reason, a sad reason is pregnancy. Teenage pregnancy, and you know, so uh, you get pressured into maybe taking the responsibility to uh, answer for what you've done, and so you get married, even if uh, these uh, people are not yet ready. Uh, maybe another reason is time is running out, maybe similar to peer pressure. Uh, another is escape. You just want to escape from home. Um, you're tired of living with your parents. Uh, you know, I have a friend who told me, you know, early on when we were like early Christians, uh, he's, you know, well into his late 20s, I think at that time, he said, you know, I'm tired of being single and I'm tired of having curfew and I'm tired of receiving an allowance 
So I want to get married. And so what he did was, when he, got, when he got married, he realized that as a married person, he still receives an allowance and there is still curfew from his wife. And so that did answer really his need at that time. But, you know, there are different reasons why people get married. And we're going to be looking at this topic on marriage. I believe that those of us who are married uh, really have an aspiration to have a better marriage. Maybe for those of you who are single, and um, you are maybe waiting for the right one and maybe asking the Lord, Lord, you know, when is my time? Uh, let me just tell you this, okay? Marriage will not complete you. Contrary to what Jerry Maguire said, you complete me. Marriage will not necessarily complete you. You are complete. As a single person, you are complete. You don't need another person to complete you. Because one of the things that we think is, if I just meet the right one, then I'll be happy. Guess what? If you're not happy now, and if you get married, especially if you get married to the wrong person, you will be much more miserable than when you started. That's why marriage is not the answer to happiness. Because the whole point of marriage is not just to have happy families. Ultimately, it's still to fulfill the purpose and the mission of God for our lives, and God is using this institution of marriage to somehow reveal Himself to us. And I believe, you know, for the most part, many people, if not most people, will get married, okay? There are only a few who are uh, gifted, just like the Apostle Paul, who are gifted with blessed singleness, okay? So we're going to be talking about the heart Truth on marriage, I'd like to invite everyone to stand and open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 19. We'll be reading from verse 1 to verse 9. Let me begin. Verse 1. Now when Jesus had finished these sayings, He went away from Galilee and entered the region of Judea beyond Jordan. And large crowds followed Him, and He healed them there. And Pharisees came up to Him and tested Him by asking, Is it lawful to divorce one's wife? For any cause, he answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, Therefore, everybody say, Therefore, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. They said to him, Why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? And he said to them, Because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives, but, everybody say but, but from the beginning, it was not so. That was not really the plan of God. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, and marries another, commits adultery. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we thank you. For the preaching of your word, we ask that you would give us, once again, a spirit of wisdom and revelation to know your will for us and to understand the hard truth about marriage and the reality that you want marriage to reflect the relationship between Christ and the church. And so, Lord, even today, we ask that you would bless the preaching of your word and may you open up our hearts today so that we will not just merely be hearers of the word, particularly those of us who are married, but help us to be doers of the word and apply the word in our lives and see the benefit of that in our families and our marriages. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may all be seated. When uh, Jesus was basically teaching 
he was preparing himself to move out of uh, Capernaum and the Galilee area, and he was on his way to Jerusalem, uh, preparing for his uh, way on the, to the cross. And so we, we see that in verse 1, it says, Now when Jesus had finished saying these sayings, he went away from Galilee and entered the region of Judea beyond the Jordan. So he started off there, and then he's on his way to Judea. And so uh, he's traveling southwards, and he was teaching. The Bible says, when Jesus had finished these sayings, and what were some of the teachings before he went out of Galilee? He was talking about who's the greatest among the kingdom. He's talking about the faith of a child. And then after that, Peter approached him and basically asked, how many times should we forgive our brothers? And he said, you know, not seven times, but 70 times seven. And what he's saying is that you need to forgive as long as, as many times as, it's, as it would take. And for those of us who are married, how many of you have actually forgiven your spouse already many times? Please raise your hand. This is your opportunity to be honest, okay? Really, when you talk about marriage, forgiveness is a foundation of marriage. You know, you have to realize, and I believe that right now, you, by now, you've realized that you are not marrying or you have not married a perfect individual. We're all bound to make mistakes, right? For those of you who are single, guess what? The good news is there's no perfect man, there's no perfect woman. You yourself, you're not perfect. You're entering into a relationship that is vulnerable to offense, that has the probability and the propensity to hurt one another, but yet this particular thing that Jesus was teaching is one of the key things that will keep the love alive in marriage. I believe that if we learn to forgive as uh, some of the divorcees were interviewed, you know, um, and according to some statistics, they said that 66% of people in the United States who got divorced uh, were interviewed and they said that if they had just learned how to forgive, they believed that they would still be, probably be married until this time. Forgiveness is really very important for us. You know, forgiveness, you know, it's not keeping tab. It's not... Trying to keep score, okay? You're, you know, one all or two one or lamangkana or something like that. But in reality, as many times as it would take. You know, I normally use this uh, particular uh, saying in, in a wedding and I say that forgiveness is kind of like this saying, an omelette is only as good as the eggs. You know, no matter if it's Bobby Flay or uh, Gordon Ramsay who's going to be your chef that morning, if he would actually take, you know, some eggs from the ref and in this batch of eggs, there's just one rotten egg in the batch of eggs as he prepares that omelette. How many of you know that no matter how good our chef is, this omelette will be a rotten omelette? And unforgiveness is kind of like that rotten egg that you put in your marriage. And it will make that marriage a rotten marriage. No matter you know, how good you've been together, if there's one tinge of unforgiveness and bitterness and offense, guess what? It will eat away our marriage. And so this is very important. And so somehow the Lord Jesus has prepared this for this next topic. And it's interesting to note that the issue that was being asked of him by some of the religious leaders was about marriage. In verse 3, it says, The Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking, Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? Because according to some rabbinic teaching called Hillel, okay, everybody say Hillel, H-I-L-L-E-L, -L -E -L, 
they believe that you can actually divorce your spouse for any particular reason. It's divorceable. For example, if your wife cooked a burnt offering for breakfast, they say that it's one reason or cause for a divorce. Can you imagine? If your spouse is a frequent snorer, or he snores loud at night during sleep, you can actually divorce him. And so some of the rabbis are actually espousing this belief. On the other hand, there's another teaching that is called Shammai. Not Shammai, but Shammai. Okay? S-H-A-M-A-I, Shammai, which basically says that the only possible cause for divorce is sexual cause or sexual sin. So this is a more conservative view of that. Okay? You know, based on some U.S. stats or survey, I don't really have the latest uh, Philippine statistics, but they, they say that it is estimated that 49% of marriages in the U.S. will end in divorce. The divorce rate in America for first marriages is 41%. And since they allow remarriage, okay, the divorce rate in America for second marriage is 60%. And if it still doesn't work, you can go for another one. The divorce rate in America for the third marriage is higher, which is 73%. Okay? We're quite familiar with some celebrities that they don't just marry one, twice, three, but there are like some who married five times or six times already. And therefore, if 76% of Americans identify themselves as Christians, so statistically, roughly half of those will end up in divorce according to statistics. Now, we're probably one of the last two nations on the planet who do not legalize divorce. Okay, the Philippines. Still up to now, we have no divorce. I think Rome is the other one. Though we don't have divorce, and what we do have is annulment and legal separation, sad to say, we're not far behind the statistics. And there are also so many... Uh, Situation, and it is the hard truth. Uh, so many situations, whether in church, outside of church, in our culture, we see that marriages are being broken because of different reasons. Not just in the area of adultery, but in the area of, I don't know, maybe money, uh, sex, uh, lack of communication, uh, unresolved conflicts, and so on and so forth. You know, so many different reasons why people separate. Okay, one is unresolved conflict. Second is frequent fights. Third, maybe violence against uh, the wife or the battered wife syndrome. There's also a battered husband syndrome nowadays. Fights on money, fights on sex, adultery or unfaithfulness, and so on and so forth. So, so many things. Sometimes even children get in the way. But really, when you talk about the heart truth of marriage, I believe that the heart of God is that the husband and the wife will stay together till death do us part. And that's exactly the design of God. And so I want to share three things uh, this afternoon about marriage. And we are gleaning from the text that we have just read. Number one, marriage is God's creation. Everybody say God's creation. It was God who initiated marriage. It was not man's idea. In fact, if you go and look at the garden when Adam and Eve was created... Uh, that's where the first marriage happened. Uh, God created man and woman. And, you know, in the first day of creation, God basically spoke, let there be light, and there was light. And so he summarized his creation every single day by saying, this is good. 
On the very last day, day six, when he looked at all his creation, he said, this is very good. Now, suddenly, in chapter two of Genesis, we see a sudden shift in the tone of God, wherein for the first time, God said, it is not good. And what was not good? He said, it is not good for man to be alone, and I will make a helper suitable for him. And so it was God's idea, it was not Adam's idea for him to have a wife. Adam was actually very content doing what he was tasked to do, which was, you know, name the animals, take care of the garden, and so on and so forth. He did not realize his need of companionship at that time in creation. And so Jesus basically answered the Pharisees by saying, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them what? Male and female. And so even the very criteria or prerequisite for marriage, it has to be a man and a woman. It was the design of God in the Bible, and I believe that it is still applicable for us today. No matter what the world tries to say to redefine what marriage is, we know that in the States, uh, there is now an acceptable practice of same-sex marriage. Still, I would like to espouse the written Word of God because that is, by God's design, the best and the only acceptable fact for marriage. Now, if you would buy, for example, an appliance, I think the safest way to operate that appliance is to read the manual. Last Christmas, someone, a couple actually gave us a different kind of oven. And this is known as the smart oven. So when we received the box, we realized it was bigger than the microwave oven. So we opened it and I got a little confused because there's so many buttons on the smart oven. So at first I said, as a guy, you know, who reads manuals anyway? I'm going to figure this out myself. And so I said, you know, normally when you press the start, what happens, right? It gives you 30 seconds heating time for, for you know, for the regular microwave oven. So if you press twice, it's one minute. If you press three times, that's a minute and a half. Okay, now for this particular oven, it says smart oven. I couldn't figure it out. And so I started reading the manual and realized that this is not just a microwave oven. This is actually also a convection oven. You can actually use this for baking. And this is also a griller. This is also actually a dry fryer. You can put a fish inside with no oil and voila, after that, it's fried without any oil. I'm not an endorser, by the way. So I'm not saying this, the brand, okay? But, you know, when I realized that, ah, okay, so this is what a smart oven is like. And only after reading the manual did I realize the different usage, because that was the original design of the manufacturer, is for us to be able to maximize the use of the product. Now, when you talk about marriage, who was the manufacturer, who was the creator? God. Who is the initiator of marriage? God. Who was the one who designed marriage? God. From the very beginning, He made them what? Male and female. And there's a big difference between a man and a woman. Those of you who are married have already figured that out by now. Right? Now, there's nothing bad, you know, with being a man or being a woman. Nobody's better than the other. I believe that it's just by God's design that we're different. Okay? Men or husbands 
or and wife, men and women, okay? Men are normally masculine, women are normally feminine. Normally, okay? Uh, we have more testosterone and women have more estrogen. We don't normally cry at drama movies or romantic movies. Well, some men don't really cry. I cry sometimes, okay? But women are just so in touch with their feelings. Okay, so that, that's another difference. Men are more logical when they make a decision. We have to base it on facts and information. But women base it on intuition. God feel. Love, I feel like we need to buy this right now. I need this love. Something like that. Okay? Intuition. Now for men, the role of a man is a loving leader. You don't just lead the home, but you got to lead in love. We're going to talk about that more in a while. And wife, a wife is called to be a submissive partner. Submission is the role of a wife. Now, women, before you, you know, before you react, okay? I just want to qualify, okay? This is not me saying this. This is straight from the Word of God, okay? We're going to talk about this in a while. Men are defenders, okay? We make sure that our families are safe. We want to protect and wife, a wife or a woman is an encourager. Okay? A husband brings out the glory of his wife, whereas the wife brings out the strength of her husband. And so on. There's a lot more that we can actually find uh, as you know, differences between a male and a female. And so I believe that when you talk about marriage, you know, we definitely complement one another. Okay? There's no perfect marriage, you know, as I stand before you. Um, you know, I don't represent a perfect marriage. All couples fight. Some couples fight dirty, some couples fight clean. Uh, it's not about winning the fight, as I said uh, in my previous sermons. It's about winning back my girl, okay? And when I make a mistake, I say sorry. And so, but because of the differences, there's always a reason to disagree. But at the end of the day, you know, we make sure that we go out in agreement. And it's not about just me trying to you know, shove my ideas or opinions or decision on her, but I carefully and lovingly consider her opinions as well and viewpoints as well, coming from a woman. And so that's that. As I said earlier in verse 18 of Genesis chapter 2, it was the Lord that said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper that is fit or suitable for him. You know, every time I officiate a wedding, for example, I, I, I remind the couple that it's, you know, this wedding ceremony and this marriage will be based on the eternal word of God. And that you know, the, His word will be the final authority for our conduct, values, and belief. That if we believe that you know, the word of God has something to, do, or something to say about man, woman, and marriage, that if we follow it closely, it will actually produce you know, happiness in marriage. But if we ignore it, it will actually produce misery. And so the word of God is very important. And we've got to always subscribe to God's word. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 24 and 25 says, Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Not just in some things, but in everything. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. My question for us this afternoon, is it really possible for a woman or a wife to submit to her husband in everything? Some of the women are already answering like that. It's difficult. I agree. But by the grace of God, 
it is possible. And the only way I believe for a woman or a wife would have the willingness to submit to her husband is if she realizes that her man loves her so much that he would be willing to sacrifice for her that he would consider every decision that he will make before doing it because he would put her uh, you know, uh, as one of the priorities, if not the priority in the family. And I believe that if a husband would do that carefully considering the woman, I believe it will be easier for the wives to submit to their husband. In fact, how does a husband love a wife? This is the picture. Just us, Christ, loved the church. And how did Christ love the church? Simply lang. He died for the church. Husbands, if you are willing to die for your wife, it is easy for them to submit to your authority in the home. It's not about us playing big shot or, you know, I am the one in charge or, you know, I call the shots or I am the boss or I am the CEO or I am the one who makes a decision here. No, actually, when we make a decision, we consider carefully the opinion and the thoughts of our wife. That's that. Husbands are the leader in the home. There's only one leader in the home. And by God's design, it's the men. Some of the women, Pastor, you don't know my husband. He doesn't want to lead. Help him lead them. Draw out the strength in him. Support him. Pray for him. And fight for that marriage. I know it's easier said than done. And that's the reason why we need one another. There's a spiritual family here that we can actually stand with. You know, we have a vibrant family ministry that helps couples, uh, you know, move on and have better, better marriages. And number two, marriage is also cleaving. Not only is it God's creation, but you know, when you talk about marriage, there is a cleaving part in marriage. Okay? In verse 5, it says, And therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So here we can see that a man has to leave his home. I know that sometimes in our culture, we would like to have one big happy family. You know, when you have maybe children, you prepare your house and you make extensions for your house and you add more rooms for, you know, the new family that will actually be there and you're preparing for your grandchildren to be there and you have another room. And so eventually this three-bedroom house becomes a six- or seven-bedroom home because you want everybody to be there. But by God's design, the Bible says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother, and be united or cleave, hold fast to his wife, and they will become one flesh. There is a shift in loyalty the moment the woman and the man says, I do. Before, the loyalty is to the parents. And for those of us, including myself, who have marriageable children, you know, we're preparing for this. You know, we're preparing to cut the apron strings and we're preparing to let them go. You know, we're preparing to release them from our quiver. And the moment we release them, we know that they will hit the mark. And it's not about them abandoning us because the Bible says, 
Yeah, the first command with the promise is to honor your father and mother, and that still is true, whether they're married or not. But I'm talking about loyalty here. Your loyalty suddenly shifts now from your parents to the one that you're getting married to. Okay, are we getting that this afternoon? That is the hard truth. Okay, so parents, do not be jealous of your son-in-law or your daughter-in-law because you realize dati nagde-date kami ng anak ko ngayon hindi na it's okay because he's also building his own home Ephesians chapter 5 verse 28 to 30 it says in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies he who loves his wife loves himself for no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body verse 33 However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. You know, when you're talking about one flesh, what does one flesh mean here? It doesn't just talk about physical intimacy. You know, it involves emotional connection. It involves spiritual connection as well. That's why I believe after God, the closest person on earth to you ought to be your spouse. Because there is such a bonding there. You know, there's a uh, cleaving, a uh, clasping together. You know, it's a glue made in heaven. That's why Jesus, when he was saying this, you know, what God has joined together, let no man separate because he is the one that put that glue there. Supernaturally, he was the one who joined you together. Since you are one, guess what? There is also no other person in the world who can hurt you the most other than your spouse. You know, when I go, for example, and get a ticket in Festival Mall, and the guard would tell me, Sir, ang pangit nyo ngayon ah. So what? It doesn't hurt me as much. Although I'd probably look at myself in the mirror and say, Okay. But if my wife would tell me things that would actually hurt me, not just pangit ako, okay? You know, that really would hurt because of the intimacy and the connection and the cleaving that we have done together after 26 years. You know, it's just so hard for, you know, these two individuals to be separated because... You know, it was somehow God Himself who joined you together. And I'm going to my next point, which is really one of the things that describes marriage, and marriage is really a covenant. It is more than a contract. Contract is very important as well, but you know, when you talk about marriage, marriage is more than a marriage contract. You know, people would say, oh, it's just a piece of paper. No, it's beyond a piece of paper. I remember one time many years ago when I was pastoring in our church in Galleria, uh, a couple approached me right after the service and they said, Pastor, we got married in our hearts. I said, what do you mean, Pastor? We, you know, we love each other so much. It is actually a man and a woman. We love each other so much we got married in our hearts. In fact, yesterday we had our honeymoon already in this hotel. I said, What? What did you say? So, you know, they did not get married. They just acted as, uh, you know, a, a married couple. And they decided to just make a covenant between each other without even signing a contract. 
And they say, that's marriage. And I said, that is not marriage. That is fornication. And so I said, you've got to do it right. You know, a marriage is a public thing. A celebration of a man and a woman before God and before the witnesses. And that's what wedding and a marriage is all about. And so I, I clarified with them, yes, covenant is important. In fact, it trumps contract, but you can never underestimate the importance of a contract. You've got to have a contract because the contract seals the validity and the legality of a wedding or a marriage union. And so when you talk about covenant, covenant is something deeper than a contract. And Jesus said this in verse 6, So they are no longer two, but one flesh. And what does he mean by that? Do I lose my you know, personality when I got married to Shirley? Did, you know... Are we supposed to always wear the same color of shirts every day, you know, or, or maybe same shirt? You know, you only do that on a marriage retreat, right? Are we supposed to, uh, you know, act the same way or look the same? Although many times, because you've been so together for the longest time, you kind of look the same already. But that is not the point. The point is this, what God has joined together, let no man and nothing separate you from that particular union. Yet it is so hard for you to be able to recover from a bad marriage. And I believe that there is so much grace. Yes, there is grace from God. But for those of us who are married, you know, let's ask the Lord, Lord, give me the grace to be able to love my wife just as Jesus loved the church and be faithful to her and keep her by my side and don't not let anything or anyone separate us. You know, since we are one, we don't let success separate us. Since we are one, we don't let failures separate us. Since we are one, we don't let even sin separate us. We don't let children separate us. We don't let issues in the home separate us. Unfortunately, there are some couples who actually put their lives around their children and their children is the center of their home and the center of the universe. You know, they, they somehow think that, okay, since we got married and you said I do, now let's focus on the children. Guess what? Your children is there for the meantime, but the moment they get married, guess what? It's back to the two of you. And if you have not had any foundation built together and relationship built together. Guess what? When you look at each other at the age of maybe 60 or 65 with no kids around, you de- you realize, I don't know you. Because we have been so consumed about raising up our kids when we were younger. I, I, I failed to invest time with you. Marriage is a covenant. It is more than a contract. Verse 7, they said to him, Why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? He said, Because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. Now, we don't really have the time to talk about the legal aspect of marriage. We have a judge here who counsels on the legality of marriage. But, you know, there are, in the Philippine law, there are other grounds for separation. And so, yet there's a provision in the law. It doesn't mean that we will take the provision for us. That's what I'm saying. 
You know, even if there's a term in the dictionary, divorce, annulment, or separate, I'm going to use that as an excuse so that I can actually be separate from my wife. In fact, early on in our marriage, we decided we're going to toss off this thing called separation, divorce, and annulment. It will not work for us. It's still death, do us part. And my commitment for you is we will grow old together and we will make things work even if there are times that we feel like giving up. We will still make it work by the grace of God. Amen. By the grace of God. Come on, give the Lord praise. It is hard. It is difficult for us to be able to, you know, maintain unity in a marriage. Definitely it's hard. But that the reason, you know, when you talk about marriage, marriage is as a reflection of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're going to go there in a while. When you talk about covenant, I said earlier, covenant is greater than a contract. A contract many times is transactional. When you talk about a contract, there's two parties that are making an agreement that each one will actually fulfill their own obligation, whether it's a business contract or a whatever contract. Okay? And so, if you look at marriage just as a mere contract, this is what happens. You say this word, as long as you do this for me, I will do that for you. But once you stop doing that for me, I don't have to do this for you. That's a contract. There's an equilateral transaction or exchange of service. But in a covenant, it is so different. Covenant can sometimes be viewed as one-sided. Because in a covenant, it says, I promise to do this for you, and you have promised to do this for me. I will continue to do this for you regardless of your unwillingness or inability to hold up your promise to me. That is a covenant. Covenant does not really depend on whether I can get something from this woman or from this husband of mine. But really, a covenant is one that is selfless, undying. One that considers other better than ourselves. That is the covenant. And we view that from the love that Jesus Christ gave us, His church, His bride. God Himself, though He permitted this through Moses, divorce, He Himself hates divorce. And it's found in Malachi chapter 2, verse 15. Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? In body and spirit you are His. And what does He want? God the children from your union. So guard your heart. Remain loyal to your wife of your youth. For I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. To divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty, says the Lord of heaven's armies. So guard your heart. Do not be unfaithful to your wife. You know, my prayer is that for people here who have gone through such, you know, there is hope. God is one that restores. God is the one that heals. The Bible says in Psalm 68, He is the father to the fatherless, a defender of widows. He sets the lonely in families. And so God is a God who restores. God is a God who heals. You know, it may be difficult. Your situation might be difficult. And I don't mean to be a perfectionist, when you talk about marriage here, I don't want to just issue a blanket statement that all of our marriages should be working just like this. That's the ideal picture. But yet, I realize that as I minister more to couples, as a pastor, there are failures. There are offenses. There are bitterness. Sometimes unforgiveness that's in. And they decide to separate. 
it's sad, but my prayer is that you know the children would not suffer for the consequence of the actions of the parents. But still, I still believe that the grace of God will be sufficient for each home. His grace is there. His forgiveness is there. His unending love is there. His blood that covers our sins is there. That our sins from the past, the present, and the future have already been provided for and atoned for. That is the beauty of the gospel. That's why we can actually come to God every day and not be condemned. Whatever the state is of your marriage, I believe God's grace will be there to sustain all of us. I ask the permission of Pastor Julius this morning if I can share the story of his mom and dad, uh, Tita Vicky and Bombay Fabregas, were you know, dear friends of ours. And they testified before that before they became Christians, they actually were separated for about eight years. They have five children. Uh, Pastor Julius is one of them. And when they got separated, Tito Bomboy was pursuing another woman. And Tita Vicky was entertaining the idea of dating another guy. Until the time that Tita Vicky got saved and became born again. And she realized that she needs to start praying for Tito Bomboy to be restored or to be born again. The whole, you know, she was the first one in the family to get saved. And after a couple of years, finally, Tito Bomboy got saved. And after eight years of being separated, they finally got together again. You know, what seemed to be hopeless at that time, you know, Pastor Julius was saying, Bro, the situation in my family is like this. Every day, it was like World War III. Every day. They're always banged together. It's even better for us that they separate. I mean, that's how bad it was. Because of the, you know, the fights. But that the grace of God stepped in. And finally, after eight years of separation, they got together again. They forgave each other. They got saved. And each of the children, each one of them, got saved. In fact, you know, Pastor Julius became a pastor. And they're now in their 70s. And Tito Bombo is actually not as healthy as he was before. You know, he's a very strong guy. Very strong. I, mean, I, I You know, you, if you grip his hand before, he was, you know, he's one big, you know, uh, man. But as you can see, he got into, uh, he had surgeries already. And he's not as healthy as he was before. But this is the commitment of Tito Vicky. You know, I will take care of my husband in the old age. And I believe that that is a picture of covenant. You know, our marriage may not be perfect. We may have failures. But there's always forgiveness. I stand here before you as a pastor and, you know, my marriage is, is far from being perfect. I have failings with my wife as well. So many times I ask for forgiveness. She did the same way with me as well. But see, that's, that's marriage. You, you walk it out. You don't keep score. And you decide that you will not keep a record of wrongs. That's why going back to the scripture on love last week, love really bears all things, endures all things. You know, Marriage really is not about just producing happy families. That's not the goal of marriage. 
the goal of marriage is to reflect the love of Jesus for His church. And how did Jesus love His church? By always forgiving the church. We see the scripture, the definition of love. This is love. Not that we love God, 1 John chapter 4, but that He loved us first and that He gave His Son for us as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That is marriage. Not that I love her, but that she loves me back. Sometimes I say, God, I don't deserve her. She doesn't deserve me. But yet the grace of God is there to always sustain us. I want to quote John Piper. He said, When the impossible day comes that Christ breaks His vow, His vow of, when He said, I am with you always to the end of the age, then on that day a human being may break His marriage vow. And we know that Jesus will never break His vow. He said in His word, Matthew 20, He will never leave us nor forsake us. I will be with you always to the very end of the age. Another quote from me is, The meaning of marriage is the display of the covenant-keeping love between Christ and His church. Really, when you talk about marriage, marriage is the picture that Jesus or the Apostle Paul chose to depict the gospel. That's marriage. The relationship between Christ and the church. Marriage is meant by God to put that gospel reality on display in the world. That is why we are married That is why all married people are married even when they don't know and embrace this gospel because that is the picture of Christ and the cross. My main point as I come to a close is marriage is seen through the relationship of Christ and the church. I'd like to call the music team to join me here on stage. It's a mere reflection of Jesus Christ. Even the Apostle Paul said, this mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Can we bow our heads right now as we come to a close? Father, we thank you once again for sending your son Jesus to be an atoning sacrifice for us. Jesus one day is coming as a bridegroom. And he's coming back for his glorious bride without spot, blemish, or wrinkle. I thank you, Lord God, that even at this point, you are preparing your bride, you are preparing your church for that wonderful day that we will meet Jesus and we will finally get married to Him. If you are married here, can you please raise up your hand? I want to pray for your relationship with your spouse. Father God, we lift up to you this marriages in this church. God, I just pray that both husband and wife would learn how to walk in humility in, sub, in mutual submission to one another and in forgiveness. I thank you, Lord God, that the enemy will not come in and try to put a wedge between these relationships in the name of Jesus, but all the more, may you strengthen each one as they walk with you, as they commit their lives to you, Lord. I pray that they would walk in love, that they would walk in faith, in mutual respect, and in trust as well. So Lord, even right now, bless every marriage that we have in this church. Bless them, Lord God. Lord God, bless them with your provision. Bless them with your faith. Bless them with love. Bless them with continuous hope, hoping for the best for each other. Though we pray even for the children that we have, Lord God, that they would actually look at 
us as parents, Lord God, that we would be godly models before them so that one day they would aspire to have godly marriages as well. Thank you, Lord God, for your blessing upon these marriages. In the name of Jesus, I pray. You may put your hands down. If you are a single person, would you kindly raise up your hand right now? I want to pray for you. Father, I pray for these single individuals. Lord, I pray that they would aspire to have godly marriages and that they would learn to wait. That, Lord, even as they are waiting, I thank you that they will keep themselves pure and holy before you because the greatest gift that they can actually offer their spouse is their virginity, Lord God. And so we thank you that even right now, your grace would be sufficient for them as they wait. Lord, for those who are not in a relationship, I just pray also for, Lord, just for them to be able to prepare themselves for that big day. That, Lord, it's not about just looking for the perfect one or the right one. It's about being the right one. So, Lord, I pray, God, that even right now, that you would help these single individuals to be ready to prepare themselves and, Lord, to continue to walk in a, in a walk that is steadfast before you. So, Lord, bless them as well in their particular career and particular jobs. In Jesus' name I pray. Thank you for listening to one of our podcasts. We hope it blesses and inspires you to honor God and make disciples. For more messages like these, or to access other resources, please visit victory.org.ph or download the Victory app for free on the iTunes Store or Google Play. If you would like to share a story of God's faithfulness in your life, please visit victory.org.ph slash mystory.